On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner contact sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearlessness, PTSD, use of victim services, or contracting an STD. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. One in seven women and one in 18 men have been stalked by an intimate partner in their lifetime. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. The presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Welcome to (laughs) For real this time. For reals. So this is another situation. I'm Ingrid. And I'm Jessica. And before we get started, Jessica, where did you get those like crazy numbers? Um, The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. They actually have a ton of other information on their website. They have a calendar of events. Um, they have a blog. They have a mission. Um, they even have like a lot of domestic violence sites, websites that you go to. They have a red X in the corner so you can exit out of it quickly in case you're looking up information and your partner, you don't want your partner to see. Uh, so there's a little safety exit. Um, there's another website um, also. It's the hotline. Actually, I want to get this number out. So if any, if you know anyone that needs the um, help hotline, um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233, or you can text START to 88788. Okay. And it's also it's also 1-800-799-SAFE, if that's easier to remember. Thank you. We'll repeat that at the end. Yeah, sorry. Um, the reason why I said that is because uh, the the hotline also has that little red X to exit out of the the web page easier. Yes, that's our topic today. Yes. So we warned you ahead of time that we had some heavy stuff coming up, and we're here. So I guess before we get started, we need to have a trigger warning. Yeah, uh, probably. So trigger warning for the situation is going to involve domestic violence, which can include physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. So if any of those, uh, you may pr- provoke f- uh, feelings from yourself, just know you can always skip ahead. Um, we will give resources at the end if you want to skip to the end, and um, they'll also be in the show notes if you just want to go to that and you don't want to listen to the episode. Okay. Uh, and before we actually get started, I just wanted to remind all of you to subscribe to another situation because 
the next few situations that we are sharing, uh, each are going to stretch over multiple episodes. And we don't want to have you impatiently waiting for an entire week to get to the next episode. So we are actually going to drop a new segment additional days each week until that situation is completely concluded. Um, so if you don't want to miss an episode and you do need these next couple episodes, you do need to listen to them in, um, order. Se- yeah. Order sequence. Um, so just make sure you subscribe. Otherwise you're going to end up missing, um, an episode and, and get confused. So you can subscribe to any of your favorite players, or you can go to our website, another situation You can actually listen to it directly from there. And while you're at it, drop us a rating and leave a review to let us know how you think we're doing. And that's it. Only if it's good. (laughs) No, we want be nice, but if you don't, you can be constructive criticism nicely. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So this, this situation, this individual wanted to remain anonymous and Probably as you listen through these uh, episodes, you'll understand why. But I am very familiar with this situation, and I know this person very well. And I've actually assisted in getting these details down on paper. Uh, So I guess without further ado. um, And this is written from the first person point of view. Oh, okay. There are no names. I was going to say uh, that the names were changed, but we actually just didn't com- like put any names in it. Nothing. Hopefully it's not confusing. If, if there's a question, I'll, I'll ask it if I get confused, which yes, everyone knows happens easily. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I met him at work. He had noticeably beautiful, clear blue eyes. My first impression was he's good looking. He's nice and he appears to be intelligent. In a town where, as a single woman in my 30s, this was a really good find. I had virtually given up on the dating scene and had considered moving to a different city, even a different state, because I felt there was nothing left for me there. I noticed he was not wearing a wedding ring. I told my friends about him and they were excited for the potential. After some remarkable sleuthing on my end, however, I found out he was married. He had been for about six years. She was stunning. Russian, I believe. She had long, dark hair and strikingly beautiful high cheekbones. Oh, well. He can easily be moved over to the friend zone, I thought. I didn't really see him for about a year following the few months of us first meeting because he moved to another location. I happened to be filling in at that location when I saw him again. He looked beat. I assumed it was because of the busier, more demanding environment. He gave me his number and asked that I call him if I ever went out. I immediately threw the small piece of paper in the garbage as I walked out thinking, what a pig, does he really (laughs) think I would ask a married guy to go out? I saw him again maybe a month later. He mentioned, I never called, to which I replied with, I never go out. He took my phone and put his number in it. Well, it just so happens a week later, a group of us were going to see a comedy show. We had a lot of extra tickets. I invited him along with whomever else he wanted to bring. He showed up 
and with sweaty palms, he shook everyone's hands. We all grabbed some food, but the show was canceled, so we went dancing instead, and it was a fun time. I kept wondering what his situation was because he didn't bring his wife. I found out later that evening, after some drinks, that they were separated and in the middle of a divorce. I didn't want to jump into that mess, but I thought maybe slowly he could move his way back into the romantic interest category. Over the next two months, we hung out a lot. It was always in a group setting and no advances were ever made. He was a perfect gentleman. He showed interest in my interests. He made a point to befriend my friends. Eventually, we ordered takeout and watched a movie at my place alone. We kissed that night. Nothing more. I really liked him and didn't want to mess up any potential for a real relationship. After that, things moved somewhat quickly. His lease on his apartment was up and he moved into my house. His divorce finalized. We were engaged within one and a half years. I couldn't believe my luck. I'm with someone who has the same interests, dreams, and drive as I do. He's good looking. My friends like him. My family likes him. Well, most of my family liked him at first. My sister, who was like his best friend initially, began to see another side. A side I didn't see. I refused to see. Anyway, I liked his family for the most part, and I felt they liked me. He and I confided in each other. He told me about his difficult childhood. His mother and father divorced when he was young. His mother had four children. She would tell them she wished she would have had an abortion with each of them. Mm. He believed his father wanted nothing to do with them. He told me he heard from both parents that he would never amount to anything. He and his siblings grew up living with their mother. They lived in the north where winters could be brutal. The electricity would get shut off, causing them to huddle around the gas stove for warmth. Vehicles would get repossessed. She would kick him out of the house, making him stay at various friends' houses, and sometimes he had nowhere to sleep. When old enough, he joined the military and sent his checks home to his mom, who immediately spent the money. As he and his siblings grew into adulthood, they felt a responsibility to take care of their mother. They would pay to have her electricity reinstated. They would loan her money when she had none to purchase necessary items. They would help her move as she continued to be evicted from rental after rental. During this time, Mm. she would thrive on driving a wedge between them all. She would talk to one of her children and tell them how his or her siblings would say terrible things about them, just so she could watch the tension between them all, and then eventually play the part of the supporting mom. In fact, when he and I were dating, I found out that he had not spoken to his brothers or father in years. Regardless, he loved his mom. They all did. I made a mental note to make sure I drew clear boundaries when it came to my relationship with her and her involvement in our future marriage. He told me he first married when out of the military. He was excited about starting a new life. Except, he told me on his wedding day he cried. Not an overcome-with-joy kind of cry, a what-the-hell-did-I-just-do kind of cry. He already knew that day and continued to learn the seven years of marriage thereafter that she would be controlling. He wasn't allowed to have any friends other than her friends and family. She would put him down every chance she had. She called him stupid and didn't have any faith in him succeeding at, well, anything. She would make him feel inferior in every aspect, looks, fitness level, intelligence, monetary success. He believed his mom. Right. Hmm. He believed he was worthless. 
Then he found out she was cheating on him. She left her email up on her computer at home. He read the explicitly detailed sexual escapades she was having with a coworker. Despite that, he wanted to make the marriage work. She asked for a divorce. Strangely, though, she would write letters to his mother saying how she loved him, how he treated her poorly. I just thought some people can't accept responsibility for their own actions. My heart broke for him. How could anyone, especially a mother, treat her child so cruelly? How could a woman who vowed to love him continue that abuse? This is an incredible man who was treated so poorly his entire life. I was going to show him what true love and support meant. I brought him into my life. He became best friends with my friends. He had guys night out with my guy friends, which was usually a movie followed by going out for cupcakes. (laughs) We would take vacations with friends. I immersed him into my family. I had moved to a different position and company, and I introduced him to my colleagues. He, my coworkers, and I would go out. We all became friends. They all loved him, and he took care of me. He would tell me I was beautiful. I was smart. I was loved. He would drive out of his way to get my favorite coffee or sandwich. He would leave love notes for me. He thanked me for showing him true love. We took trips with just the two of us. It was comfortable and perfect. We fit together. He was perfect. At times he did appear to be mean, but I thought it was because others deserved it, or maybe they just couldn't handle his sense of humor. Sometimes I hate to say it, but I felt important because he wasn't mean to me and he protected me. He wanted to advance his career. This would involve him going back to school. I supported him 100%. I was his cheerleader. I knew he could do it. He applied to one university and didn't get in. He found that out while we were on vacation. I asked if there were anywhere else he could apply. There was one more university, but the deadline was the next day. I told him we could do this. We went back to the apartment to get it done. Between help from friends back home, his smartphone and mine, as there was no computer or fax machine available, we got his application submitted on time. He found out shortly after he was accepted into the program. He gushed about how he never would have had the courage or support to do that before. Knowing his history with his mother and ex-wife, I believed him. I was so happy to be the one to help him recognize his worth. After a blissful yet brief courtship, he proposed. We had spent a weekend at a small resort close to home. It was a relaxing weekend full of drinks, pool time, massages, and amazing dinners. I kept thinking to myself it would be a great time for him to propose. We got back to our room, and that's where he did it. There was champagne, roses, romantic music, and chocolate-covered strawberries. I immediately said yes. I was completely overjoyed. That night, I slept so soundly. I dreamt of my grandparents who had passed away years ago. I was chasing after my grandfather, trying to tell him I was engaged. He just kept walking, always a few steps ahead. Suddenly, I was in their kitchen. My grandmother was cooking something delicious, as usual. I tried telling her grandpa was ignoring me. She laid her hand on my shoulder with her sweet smile and said, You know your grandfather. He and I are so proud of you. I woke up with a smile. They totally approve. Family was important to me, no matter how dysfunctional. I asked that he fix the issues between his father and brothers before our wedding. He did. I met his dad at our wedding and adored him immediately. I set my boundaries with his mom, although not disrespectfully. 
He was okay with that and applauded the fact that I was standing up to her. We would spend time with his family. I kept my guard up with his mom, but still did my best to grow a relationship. Everything seemed to be falling into place. We said our vows in a smallish ceremony with a handful of friends, colleagues, and family. He had to quit his job to begin his school program just one month after the wedding. We had decided not to prevent any pregnancy, just in case it may take a while for us to get pregnant. I was pregnant three weeks after the wedding. I again thought, everything is perfect. Phew, pregnancy is no joke. I was hit with such nausea in the first Mm. trimester. Luckily, it was only triggered by specific foods or smells. But he doted on me. He would massage my back and my feet in between studying. I couldn't have felt happier. Work was going well despite some unnecessary drama. Nine months passed rather quickly as I now look back at it, although at the time it seemed to drag on forever. I had some minor complications toward the end of my pregnancy. Workup revealed nothing concerning, but my OB wanted to induce me early nonetheless. I went in one night and and had a Pitocin drip started right away. I broke down and got an epidural 36 hours later. I was starving and so tired. I know, 36 hours. Broke down 36 hours, geez. I was starving and so tired when it came to push. I was completely numb from the epidural and I couldn't feel any pressure. Turn it off, I yelled. They did. The pain I suddenly felt was horrible. My husband was by my side holding my hand as I then started vomiting. I pushed and made no progress. My baby's heart began to decelerate, so I had to go in for an emergency section. He was born with no other complications. My husband was an amazing dad. He had such adoration in his eyes for our little son. He helped with diaper changes. He still took care of me. I needed that because life had just gotten so much busier. Our son did not sleep well at all. He was a <laughs> snacker. He ate for a few minutes took a 20-minute or less nap, and wanted to eat again. Mm. He did this pretty much around the clock. Sometimes the sleep would stretch out to an hour at night. He wasn't colicky, but he was certainly close. I told my husband I would handle it because he was in school. After 12 weeks, I went back to work. My son still wasn't sleeping through the night, but the stretch would go to two hours now. I was exhausted and bummed to have to be away from my baby. I had breastfed up until returning to work. I attempted to pump so I could supply my newborn with milk while he was in daycare. Unfortunately, due to whatever reasons, I could not keep my supply up. In Mm. addition to daytime pumping, I would set my alarm in the middle of the night in order to pump whatever I had. I sadly told my husband I thought we would need to supplement formula. He flatly told me no. He said, I need to figure out how to provide for our son because he felt formula was not suitable enough. I tried all the suggestions from the mommy social media pages. I drank beer. I took supplements. (laughs) I increased my water intake, all to no avail. I was devastated. And as I turned to my husband for support, he just shook his head at me in disappointment. Ugh, (laughs) I let him down too. I would lay on my son's floor next to his crib at night because he wouldn't fall asleep any other way. Once I knew he was asleep, and before I would try to sneak back to my room, I would cry. I would cry about how I was not a good enough mom to supply my own child with the one thing he needed. Mm. 
Our first wedding anniversary was just a few months after our son was born. We had a quick dinner and tried to make a romantic evening. We had a blanket out on our living room floor. We had wine, and my husband started becoming a bit frisky. That's when our son woke up crying. I told my husband I would just be a minute. I returned shortly after calming our son down and getting him back to sleep. A few minutes later, he woke up again. My husband yelled. Sorry, we should have put this at the beginning to disclaimer. There's going to be some, um, we typically don't curse, use curse words in our podcast, but, um, for this episode, we're not, we're not going to bleep it out. We'll just leave it. Okay. My husband yelled, what a fucking cock blocker. (gasps) Never mind then. That was the first time I truly thought he was mean. Poor baby. I know. Over the next year, my husband became shorter with me. He was stressed. He was in a difficult program. I supported and helped as much as I could. He would text during the day and say he wasn't smart enough for this. I would always reply immediately, telling him the truth. You are the smartest guy I know. He put on a few pounds and would complain. I would reply with the truth. You are the best-looking guy I have ever met. I would take our son to daycare on my way to work. I picked him up on my way home. I would figure out dinner and prep his bottles and supplies for the next day. My husband would study. He would take breaks and watch TV sometimes. But again, the program was difficult. He didn't realize how tired I was. He didn't realize how rough of a day I had at work. He he didn't know I cried to myself after everyone was asleep. Just before our son was one year old, my husband mentioned we should think about having another one. I happily agreed. I was pregnant within the month. This pregnancy was different. I didn't have as much nausea. I craved fried and salty foods. (laughs) I really had to watch what I was doing so I didn't gain too much weight. There were some management changes at work and it became more stressful for me. My husband was in the last year of his program and it became more stressful for him. We decided once he graduated and started his new career, I would quit where I was and look for an easy part-time job. And that's exactly what happened. During that transition, our second son was born. I elected for a C-section again to avoid any stress on the baby during delivery like the first time. This son was born screaming like a banshee. (laughs) He was completely different than the first one. He would sleep two to four hours at a time following a full meal. He was loud, though, when he wanted something. Everyone in our neighborhood knew when he was hungry or wet (laughs) or tired or dirty. I didn't mind because he quickly quieted as soon as you attended to his needs. My husband didn't see it that way. He didn't like the loud screaming. The son looked different than his trophy firstborn son. Ironically, this one looked more like him. He would yell at this son, this infant who just wanted his needs met. My husband would ignore him. My husband had already graduated from the program, and after a short break, he began his new career. It was extremely demanding. He was exhausted. Often, he would come home from work and pass out on the couch until it was time to go to bed. I put my notice in at the end of my maternity leave. I accepted a part-time job, which began shortly after. I had to leave for a week for training for this new position. I was afraid to leave. My husband had too much on his plate. The kids would be too much to handle. 
I brought my older son with me along with a sitter to watch him while I was in training. My mom stayed at my house to help with my younger son. She would hear my son wake up, followed by my husband screaming at him. At the time, we at the time we kept our son in a bassinet in our room, so she did not feel comfortable barging in to help him in the middle of the night. After I returned home, I thought life would begin to even out more with two incomes and the two of us getting more settled into our new jobs. It didn't even out. My husband became angrier. I didn't see it as anger, though. It was stress. He was overworked. He was disappointed. He changed careers. We had two kids now. He hated where we lived. I think he hated our second son. I know he did. Once our son was able to crawl and give us a better indication of what his needs were, he became the happiest baby ever. Mm-hmm. He was so sweet and always smiling. <laughs> my husband would come home from a tough day at work. My oldest would run to him. My youngest would crawl. My husband would step past the youngest and pick up the oldest with smiles and hugs and kisses and so much love. He wouldn't pick up the youngest son, even with him reaching his happy, chubby arms out oh. to him. It broke my heart. I subconsciously became so protective of that son from there forward. Mm. I was terrified someone would snuff out that beautiful, happy light about him. <sighs> okay. Okay. I think we're going to end this episode there. Jeez. Is there anything that you want to talk about? Um. I mean, it's just like a sprinkling of what's to come. Like what? You're mean to a baby? You're mean to a baby. Yeah. A baby. A little baby. Your little baby. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know if I want to hear the rest of the story. Well, there's like seven more pages. Okay. Well, yeah. We'll stop now and then... um we will we will pick up exactly where we left off mm-hmm. tomorrow. And again, if you know anyone in this situation or anyone that needs help, please uh, let them know to call 1-800-799-SAFE, or, which is also 7233. Or you can um, text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Okay. And then also, um, one, oh, sorry, I hit the microphone. One last thing. Um, most police departments have a uh, victim advocate on their staff that if you just Google whatever your county or your city police department is, and you can find out who the victim advocate is and reach out to them for resources in your community as well. Okay. See you guys tomorrow. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to reach out to us or submit your situation, please contact us at another situation podcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at another situation podcast. We're also on Facebook at another situation. Another situation is produced and edited by 0.5 Pinoy. Music is written and performed by Tim Crow. Another situation.